Oh yeah, a little bit of Willie Nelson there to start off uh, episode number four of uh, It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia. Once again, Kevin Kincaid alongside Dave Zeitlin from MLSsoccer.com. I write for Philly Voice and... um, Dave, we don't have any wedding or bachelor party related weird. stuff to talk about today. I feel like I wanted to just ask you questions about about your wedding, but uh, well, we're just gonna have to move on with life now. You know, that's what I don't happens. Think I can. Um, <laughs> that's what happens. You know, now yeah. we go back to our regular uh, boring lives. We might actually have to talk about the Philadelphia Union on the podcast now, or we talk about it on news about me. I mean, I'm not getting married, so there's not really much to say. Yeah, I heard you had some uh, <laughs> some big news. Yeah, my kid getting... uh, turns uh, three today, so that's uh, pretty crazy. The big three, and he comes in. Where would you say he ranks <laughs> on the uh, list of three under three? three, under three. As far he, as Philadelphia Union there. beat writer children. I mean, the big thing in his life right now is trying to poop in the potty. So uh, yeah. there are probably other three-year-olds who are doing that better. So yeah. I might have to see the potty situation. Would you say that's a big kids. that's a big <laughs> metric as far as the three under three rankings go? Yeah. I mean, that's got to be number one right now, at least in terms of our life. Our last uh, three weekends have pretty much just been watching him pee yeah. for like every half an hour, which yeah. is fun. You should try it sometime. Well, I can't say I'm looking forward to that anytime <laughs> soon, but uh, you know what? I think Sarah and I will start it off slow. I, we'd like to get we'd like to get a dog maybe because we're both dog people animal people growing up but i think we need to start um start slowly like have a couple more plants in the house and make sure they survive the dog is the uh, gateway drug to kids okay so the dog is like the uh, (laughs) marijuana and the uh, the child is like cocaine but uh, that's kind of a dark um description for me but uh well no congratulations that's uh big time you know once you guys get over the um the potty training hump you'll be on to uh Whatever comes next after that. Yeah, it's exciting. Just for today, he's in school. We're going to take him to a Shake Shack, which is his favorite place in the world <laughs> for, for right? a three-year-old. Uh, <laughs> nice. Have some cupcakes, nice. and then, uh, we'll get him going in uh, soccer training pretty soon. Cool. Well, as we started the show with uh, Willie Nelson's On uh, the Road Again, um, the Philadelphia Union are on the road again, the second of their uh, three-game road trip that's really going to define <clears throat> Yeah, whether they make the playoffs or not, and what their what their seeding is. So last week they dropped a, a two to one result in Portland. They've got Toronto coming up this week, and then they've got the trip to Red Bull to wrap up that road trip. And then they have Orlando at home, and they have uh, Red Bull at home, of course, to close out the season. So uh, you know we're going to talk about Toronto, obviously, but uh, going back to Portland, your thoughts, Dave? Zeitler. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, it's a brutal trip to go against the uh, defending champs on turf across the other side of the country and then and now to come back on the road against you probably call it the the two top teams in the east right so i yeah. mean yeah. In, in terms of road trips I, they don't get harder than this i mean portland like uh i think you had the same point as made they played pretty well a couple of mistakes here or there i mean it was a pretty good game but to play the uh, the uh, defending champs on the road you you have to be almost perfect and this, it's a pretty good portland team even though they're only in sixth place in the west my takeaway from that one was that I felt like, again, they played well enough to win on the road or well enough to get a point on the road. And just, you know, mistakes here and there, uncharacteristic stuff from Keegan Robert, Rosenberry ended up um, costing them. You know, I, I wrote that story last week. You know, the Philadelphia Union aren't really aren't that bad on the road. And you can look at you know some of the untimely red cards and things they've had, some of the individual mistakes and stuff that's popped up. And, um, you know, really, really, when you look at their entire road record this year, I mean, there's only been a couple occasions where they haven't been in it at all. You know, that five to one in Montreal, the three to nothing, nothing in Chicago, or even then it was one nothing for seventy some minutes. I think that three nothing scoreline was flattering, but no, I mean, I think that's the aggravating thing about it is that they created a bunch of opportunities. They had a couple, they had a bunch of shots on goal in this game, 
and um you know they 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 fight to, to come back and get that equalizer right after uh Portland opens the scoring early in the second half and that's a frustrating thing because you know that they're good enough to get something out of these yeah and we could talk about Keegan I mean he was one of the guys we talked to uh in our training today we were just there at practice and he's been so good all year like these kind of games are almost normal for for like a rookie would you say I mean to have two or three bad games in the entire season he's played every minute so you can't blame him too much we talked to him he's he's still pretty confident he talked mm-hmm. about a bounce back so I mean just what was your takeaway from Keegan and now moving forward going to Toronto trying to get those guys it's funny because you're like you said you're expecting that uh, from Keegan and you're sitting there waiting waiting for it to happen like it's gonna happen right is it gonna happen um you know and I, you know and the, I think the only other time really that he had uh trouble in that kind of situation I think back to the season opener in Dallas against Fabian Castillo which is a tough matchup for anybody that was his very first yeah. game the union didn't really have much of an identity then so it's even hard to, hard to kind of use that as anything it's a um, speed that kills my guess because Maddox is is fast and he, mm-hmm. he kind of twisted him around a couple of times Castillo Castillo's obviously fast, fast. Guy. he did well with uh slower guys who were more tricky um you know he did well against Nacho Piatti he did well against uh Ethan Finley he did well against Patrick Niarco um in the in the DC game or two, um, so yeah, I mean he's shown that he has decent speed and he's been a, a decent defender on the outside. I think what the issue is, and I don't want to get too far into the technical side of it, but uh, it, you talk about losing a foot race. You know, if you and I are running in a straight line against Darren Maddox or Kakuta Mane or something, we're gonna we're gonna lose, right? I'm gonna win. You're gonna win. I'm gonna lose. Um, <laughs> foot speed is one thing, right? But in in this case, I think kind of what Jim was talking about in post game is that when you defend one v one in wide situations as a fullback. Uh, one of the tricky things is to it's not it's not that it's not that they're beating you to goal they're beating you to the ball and they're able to turn and square and face up which means that by the time you set your feet and that that guy has turned to face the goal and he can now move towards the goal you're a certain amount of distance away from him you know and because Darren Maddox was so quick to get on the ball and turn and face he was leaving Keegan with a yard two yards maybe even more uh, before Keegan was able to turn around and set his feet as well so that's the problem in the one freeze frame that i that I was able to pull Maddox gets the ball and turns and squares on the edge of the 18 and Keegan's two yards mm-hmm. off him when he's still turning. So that's a problem. It's not that he was beat um, for pace and burned to goal. He was beaten into those danger areas where Maddox was then able to turn and, yeah. and, and face him up. You know what I mean? It's just too bad because when any time Keegan has a bad game, people notice and like Jordan Morris, who he's, I guess, competing with for like rookie of the year. <laughs> I mean, he he's had bad moments too, but like when he scores, everyone goes crazy. So it, it's kind of an, unfair race in some ways if i had to pick right now i'd say keegan has been the more uh, consistent yeah. player throughout he's played every minute he's only had a, a couple of bad games but jordan morris has, has come through with uh, big goals so that's kind of an it's easier un- it's unfair easier advantage for a defender of, yeah. yes it's easier for a defender to look bad right, than exactly. for an offensive player to look bad and it's easier for on the other side it's easier for an offensive player to look good uh than a defensive player to look good because what kind of metrics when this comes down to it at the end of the year and we're arguing about keegan rosenberry versus jordan morris I'm biased not because I'm a Philadelphia Union reporter, but because I'm, I've been a defender my entire life, right? So mm-hmm. I understand the things. Um, winning 1v1 battles or putting in a nice tackle or something like that. I test kind of things that aren't You're such a homer, in, be honest. Well, <laughs> I. but this is the thing. I mean, I we wouldn't going going along with that I wouldn't be able to determine those things if I didn't watch him every right. single game so we're gonna everybody's gonna look at us they're gonna think we're being homers but the fact of the matter is that we've seen a lot of stuff that other people haven't and likewise the Seattle guys um 
we'll be able to see positives of Jordan Morris that maybe were not goals that ended up on MLSsoccer.com, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. Well, speaking of Keegan, I guess we could talk about this list, the uh, 24 under 24. He just came in today at, at a number six, which I guess is, is probably fair. I mean, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wouldn't have expected that coming into the season. Uh, was Josh Yarrow on, on I, it? I, like I don't think he was on the list. But, I mean, Josh Yarrow and Fabian Herbers, they've both been on the MLS like uh, rookie rankings, top six uh, throughout throughout most of the season. Well, so, surely they wouldn't put Yarrow ahead of Rosenberg, right? Nah, no, yeah. Because so if Yarrow Rosenberg is number the six, then yeah. who, would, who would be? I don't have it in front of me, but I'm trying to remember it off the top of my head. We're thinking, what, like Jordan Morris and yeah. Jack Harrison will probably be. Kyle Laren, maybe, yeah. One, two, Kyle Laren yeah. is underneath there. Who else is? Um, Mauro Diaz is 25 now, right? So I want to talk more count. about your 34 over 34 list, because that's been getting this crazy buzz on the internet. Is it? Every, yeah. Everyone's talking about yeah. it. Yeah, that's, um, you know, it's a shame is that <laughs> I put uh, basically no time into that, and it was basically a, a spoof kind of like satire it. thing, and of course that's what gets all the uh, – comments on the yeah. mls reddit and people are ripping <laughs> ripping me for ranking uh blas perez way too low versus some other guy who sits on the bench so you never know Connor Casey coming, made you know? the list though so i'm pretty happy about well listen that. man so i wanted to do the joke was i wanted to do 36 over 36 red but there aren't where there weren't 36 players in the league yeah. they were older than 36 years Did old you consider so. 44 over 44 uh, there would have only been like maybe one Wait, goal, goalkeeper. I actually looked. There's actually never been someone older than 44. Oh. I think <laughs> I checked the the oldest player is Mondragon is in the top like oh, five. 40 over 40. I think he was 40. The one over 40. Uh, yeah. Like Pat Onstead, I think was like Pat 43 Onstead, or something. Yeah, Everyone, yeah. a couple other goalies. But yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if any field players have, have no, ever been over 40. No, you could do 30. You could do guys who turned like maybe 37 Carol years old. Brian Carroll. <laughs> yeah, you. Could, I mean, you could put like Carlos Valderrama and like Guillermo Barcelotto on like a, a list of 37 year olds or yeah. whatever. But yeah. No, it was just kind of a yeah. spoofy, like goofy kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, but hey, go figure, man. If people are going to click on that thing, I'll take it. So I'm excited maybe to I read need, part maybe two. Maybe I need to write more BS like that. So oh, man, it's good. People, people love lists. People don't like my long farm articles. They need a list. No, form. it's crazy, man. Isn't that <laughs> funny how uh, being a writer works out? Is you could sit there and you could put your heart into something and like write this article that you love, and then you they publish it and nobody reads it, <laughs> and then you go out and you do the 34 over yeah. 34, which is straight up bullshit. Happens to me all the time. And everybody reads it. It's like when I played in a cover band. Uh, I played in this band. We we were uh, contraband was the name of our cover band, right? And we worked like really really hard on this. Um, what did we do? I, I don't even remember what uh, what song it was but i thought it turned out really really well and people came up to us and they're like yeah we didn't really like that one um mm. at the end of it but we did like a, we had a, a chick singer her name was lauren so we did like a paramore cover you know and we basically just screwed up the whole thing the drums were off like i, I completely like played the solo in the wrong whatever <laughs> and then everybody comes up to us after the show and they're like man that was great you guys killed that paramore <laughs> so misery business sounded great so and, most uh, fans are just dumb is what you're saying. Well, I don't know. Or maybe I'm the one who's dumb because, you know, I'm like, man, that one sounded good. Every The one that you think sounds good, it really sounds like yeah. shit. And the one that you thought sounded like shit sounds really good. So basically, I guess it's the same for being an MLS. Yeah, B- same thing with me. I mean, I could spend like two months working on a feature, but I'll get more attention for like one tweet that I'll just come up with. So, yeah, yeah. So well, while you guys listening out there, read my articles. Read them. Dave's probably pound for pound <laughs> the best long form uh, Philadelphia Union uh, writer that there is out there i don't know so. i have a lot of pounds a lot oh okay well we'll, <laughs> we'll leave that at that okay moving on anyway speaking of you. uh yeah so the other wait de- there's one thing i wanted to oh. one other thing i wanted to mention about the uh, 24 124 list that's okay because we yeah. were talking to jim about it i think the most interesting thing about those lists are kind of like looking back at like the mm-hmm. 2010 2011 list because mm-hmm. if you look back at those lists there are so many players on the uh, union who mm-hmm. are on it and just didn't develop properly 
and two of the guys, I mean, Jack and Amobi were on the list consistently, I think, for two years. And then you see the Union play at Portland, and uh, Jack doesn't play, and Amobi doesn't even make the 18. So it's just interesting to look at. You have to wonder if they just weren't as good then if as we thought, or if the uh, league is getting better, or mm-hmm. if these guys just weren't uh, being properly um, developed. But, I mean, it's a... Uh, what do you th- I mean, what do you think it is? I don't know. I mean, I think probably we overrated guys like Jack and Amobi back in 2012, 2013 because mm-hmm. they were playing a lot on teams that weren't as good. But I mean, I I I admit I fell for it. I thought they were both very good players. I thought other guys like Shane and Williams had had really bright futures in this league and he still Zach may, Pfeffer, but uh, I, I think part of it is is the league is getting better. I mean, mm-hmm. what do you think? No, I'd say it's probably a combination of all those things. You know, I don't think they were developed properly. They didn't necessarily have a great environment in which to grow. I mean, the team didn't have practice fields. The yeah. team didn't have facilities. The team didn't have any of that kind of stuff. They were playing at different positions. And Moby was a midfielder who went back to play center right. back. And, you know, that 2014 team, I, I say it all the time, the defense was – two right backs a striker and a midfielder uh, you know <laughs> so if a moby a moby played well uh his best season um as i think jim would would say or he might have pointed out before um moby's best season in mls was when he was playing center back alongside jeff park yeah and he tried taking a striker and aaron wheeler and putting him back there and then he put a right back and ray <laughs> gaddis on the left and he put a right back and shana williams on the right maybe it's not going to work out so much but yeah i think the younger players are getting a lot better i mean look at look at the top five of if Keegan Rosenberry, we're talking about him being rookie of the year and yeah. he's number six on this list. Yeah, and I'm, nice. I'm sitting here wondering who the list. others are, but anyway, so um, Toronto coming up this uh, Saturday. And obviously the biggest storyline for me is that Josh Yarrow is suspended. Mm-hmm. He picked up a, a bogus yellow card earlier in the game. Then he picked up a bad yellow card that he shouldn't have, that he probably should have um, held back on late in the game so he's suspended uh for toronto but he's also he also has a concussion um that we learned about today were you aware of that Did i wasn't you know? yeah okay. jim talked about an oppressor but uh um and also yeah. to go along with that just real quick i tranquillo barnetta was not there on wednesday because he jim said he had a collision with um mm-hmm. fernando adi knee on knee but there was there was nothing turned nothing twisted it was just sort of swelling but i think he would normally be getting a break uh anyway after yeah uh playing on the playing on the turf so um Ken Tribbett gets, uh, I mean, he's next guy up, and he had a really, really rough outing against Toronto the first time he got yanked at halftime. Um, I thought he played poorly individually, but I also think he got burned by his teammates as well because, uh, you know, there were two midfield battles that were lost, and that's how they got by him on those through balls two times. I'm just trying to recall off the top of my head. Then there was the goal where Josie turned him. Ken played the wrong shoulder, but also Richie Marquez t- takes the the runner, Jonathan Osorio, who goes over to the other side of Ken Tribbett, and you're taught as a center back, don't cross lines. You know, if your guy is running offside and taking himself out of the play, you stay. There's no reason for the for the left center back and the right center back to X and, and cross into each other's lanes, you know. So I think Ken struggled in that game, but he didn't really get a lot of help from other people. Now he's got an opportunity to kind of redeem yeah, himself. Yeah, I think Josie should be nervous because you can beat Ken Tribbett once, but you can't beat oh, Ken Tribbett twice. <laughs> <laughs> you can't stop him. You can only hope he can. Ken Tribbett. No, but in all seriousness, we, we talked to Tribbett. You know, he uh, today after practice, he said he he learned from it. Like he watched tape. I mean, I, I think it could help him in some ways, or you can make the argument that I mean, he's just not at the same level as these yeah. guys like Josie, which you could certainly say. But I mean, I I, I have a feeling Tribbett is not gonna end up being the biggest problem in this game no i don't either and i think that um 
you know, I, I hate doing those kinds of interviews because it's a story and, you know, I feel like I have to do it. And, um, you know, it's, it's what everybody's going to be talking about, but what he was not happy to talk to us today. No, but I mean, we try to be as respectful (laughs) as possible in those, in those instances. And we just say, Hey, look, um, it didn't work out the last time. What do you do this time around? That's all you can really ask. And part of the problem too, is that he came off of before that Toronto game, he was coming off the New England game where he probably played his best yeah. Union game ever where they won 4-0. And he four scored a goal for Toronto. Yeah, I mean, he scored really an equalizer nice in So <laughs> I, I, it's hard to, again, it's all how you want to remember things specifically. But I, I think this time around, look, if the midfield's going to lose battles and they're going to you know dump through balls in there and he's you know in a foot race, obviously that's not his strength. But you know I think he can improve physically against Josie learning how to body him a little bit better stay lower don't you know play his opposite shoulder things like that and uh, even if they go out and lose this game and even if they give up a couple goals um you know if if he shows improvement in that in that physical side of things then uh, we nobody expects him to be a speed burner so and that's kind of what Jim talked about in a press conference today like like I asked him about just how it's been balancing uh, Ken and Josh because it seems like anytime one player gets the the, uh, leg up the other player either gets to play biz like there's always something. Yeah, there's yeah, always something, yeah, yeah. and they've been going back and forth. Josh and, comes in, and plays right. a good few games, and then he gets a bogus red right. card. Ken comes in, he plays a few good games, and then he has a, a bad one. Yeah, and it's yeah. bad in some ways because Jim likes the uh, continuity of the back line, but Jim also said today that it's good because these guys are both getting like a lot of like a lot of like tough of minutes, these, uh, tough minutes. Yeah, and going yeah. into next year, like you could choose either. So, you're I mean, basically. De- I mean, look, you're basically developing two rookies on that side, you know, because right. Ken Cherubit's basically a rookie. This is his first year in the league. Um, I, I I can't believe I'm about to go here, but you know, I feel like it has to be said. You know, if if uh, I've said before on the on the pod and I've said on Twitter all year long that I still think that Marisa to help Marisa do is the best center back on the roster. It's a perfect right? segue to talk about our uh, <laughs> annual. Our, our weekly uh, Mo conversation, our weekly, our weekly Marisa Do update, the yeah. saga which never ends. We asked about him a saga again. That I'm kind of getting sick of. To be yeah, honest. I mean, I mean, you think at some point he's played three games in Bethlehem now. He mm. went 30, 90, and then sixty. I mean, mm. that's three weeks of uh, of real minutes. You'd think he'd well, be back look, for the, Toronto. When, but when it's is just he? Not. And look, there's there's never. You have four games left, and you're in a playoff race. Okay, there is no good. Right. Time to get him in here. Okay. So if you decide that he's going to be part of the team this year, you're just going to have to bite the bullet, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, we're sitting here looking at Josh Yara's out. You got Richie Marquez on the left, Ken Tribbett on the right. Um, who backs them up? Do you bring Austin Trusty again and put him in the 18? Because they yeah. don't trust Anderson. Uh, do you bring Marie? They talked about putting Maurice Dewey in the 18 this week, and maybe he's. As the emergency the guy. guy. If Tribbett gets a red card, I mean. And I know that Mo wants to play D mid. Jim Curtin says that he wants him to play D mid, but um, fact of the matter is, is that I I still think he's the best center back that they have. Yeah. You know, and I think part of the reason Jim is wary to put him in is is because Carroll and Carval have been playing well. Uh, mm-hmm. What was your take on Carroll finally playing again? Yeah, in that partnership with uh, Bedoya. I guess that's a new one too. And uh, Bedoya, he played with Carval, he played with Carroll once, and he knows Mo pretty well. Like they haven't played. Well, they did play together once with Rangers, I think. But yeah, they, that was brief. They know each other, so that could help. But, I mean, Bedoya is kind of getting thrown with uh, different guys each week. So, I mean, at this point, to put a Mo with them, I mean, I think it could be a pretty good thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, if not now, when? You know, because then you're talking about, well, we're going to give Marisa do the final three games of the year when we're, like, fighting for our playoff lives. I don't know. But um, I thought Brian Carroll was fine. He had two 
uh, bad fouls that he gave up where he was just sort of a step slow. Um, and he took a, I think he took a yellow on the one. Uh, good free kick opportunities and those. But otherwise, he'd, he'd play the typical Brian Carroll game, which is just to keep it smart and simple and not do anything too crazy. Um, Bedoya, he's been okay. Um, you know, defensively, he's putting in the work and he's, uh, you know, winning the winning tackles and he's putting in a, a number of clearances and interceptions and things like that. But he's just not... They still don't have a shuttler like uh, Vince Nogueira was, you know. I yeah. mean, it's 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 very hard to – Vince was just the perfect two-way player, you know. His game was 50% ball movement and 50% defensive positioning, and it's just it's just hard to replace a guy like that. By the way, Vince is playing wide midfield now for Strasburg, so go figure. Yeah, so I'll have to find some illegal stream just to uh, see how he's doing out there. I follow you like watch I, those games. No, no, no. I follow, I follow like the English uh, translated Strasbourg Twitter account or something. And so I put out the formations. Who, and I just sort of keep an idea where. Who he's. doesn't follow that account? Oh, yeah. I guess well, the my co-host. But other than that, um, <laughs> no. Go so ahead. I think I think the key, you know, obviously whether or not Javinko plays. I mean, Josie's in top form, so I think Ken Tribbett's going to be the biggest thing here. And can they get, um, you know, like CJ Sapongo? So, but that's another thing entirely. Why don't I, uh, get yeah, we it? can you, flip you, it over to the Twitter machine. Yeah. You're the keeper of the, uh, Twitter and the fan questions. Yeah. I think we should answer this question from Eric Grote. I think he's one of our big fans. Um, he asked, do you think, uh, uh, drop points at this point in the season could be attributed to all the minutes players have logged. And then he talks specifically about Sapong, Pontius Marquez, and would it be best to rotate guys? And, you know, in a press conference, uh, Matt DeGeorge has kind of asked Jim this the past two weeks about Sapong. I mean, he's only he's not getting many shots on goal. Um, he's obviously not scoring. You have a guy like Charlie Davies you could play. You have uh, Fabian Herbers who could move there. Like, would it be good just to give him just a day off? But, I mean, Jim seemed kind of reluctant to that idea. Uh, personally, I think it, would, it could be good for CJ and it could be good for uh, Charlie Davies because he's been coming in, you know, 20 minutes a game. He hasn't been touching the ball that much. If you give Charlie Davies one start and have CJ come off the bench, I, I think it could help both players. My um, first reaction to that question is, you know, I think of when they played the 2-2 game against L.A. and then they went up to Montreal on short turnaround and they were kind of exhausted and they scraped a 1-1 draw up there. And then they had the really tough road trip where they played a bunch of games in a row. They played uh, down in Orlando and they got a draw. Probably should have got a win. And then they went to Colorado and they got a draw up there. So those are instances where guys were logging a lot of minutes and Jim wasn't rotating the squad at all. He hates that term, by the way. He hates the term squad rotation because he doesn't think, you know, he thinks that's only really applicable to a team like Chelsea that has like 22 first team kind kind of players, right? But I I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've seen them get results. We've seen them get results this year in uh, those short turnaround kind of situations. But. Maybe for a guy like CJ, yeah. I mean, it's 30 games. Maybe the course of maybe those short stints of like three games in eight days is one thing, but then 30 games over the course of uh, seven months uh, and practices in between with a couple two-a-days, maybe that does wear him down. But, uh, uh, you know, we asked Jim today about, have you ever thought about trying 4-4-2? And he just says, look, we've, we've played the same shape for 30 games this year and we like the system and we're fine with it. And, um yeah, there's, he doesn't really see the point of like trying to do anything drastic right now, right? Wasn't that the gist of what he was saying? Yeah, pretty much. It sounds like he's going to keep the same lineup. He did say that, that Charlie Davies is kind of getting his uh, fitness back. We have yeah. to remember he was out for a while with cancer. Yeah, yeah, so, so, I mean, things, so, I mean yeah, he so. uh, he could be playing more, maybe come in at halftime if they're like mm-hmm. losing by a goal or something, play with CJ or mm-hmm. in a 60th minute. Um, so, so, I think there could be more options with uh, Charlie and CJ on the field together, but it seems like he'll probably keep the same lineup with the exception of Tribbett coming in for Yarrow. Yeah. Um, 
you know, Ilsenio's still coming back, so they've had Fabian Herbers over on the right. Um, you know, if they wanted to go four four two, they could basically basically put Herbers up top. They could slide Bedoya over to the right, and then you could sort of play like a tight diamond where Barnetta can kind of still do his thing, and Pontius and Bedoya, you have two disciplined kind of two way good defensive wingers. Then I think it would kind of work, and you'd still be able to get your fullbacks forward but again i mean what kind of message does it send if after 30 games and you being near the top of the table for most of the season all of a sudden you're switching the the, the shape yeah. so um yeah what all else right. do we got next on there? question from michael rulo he says with the expansion draft confirmed who do you guys protect so uh, i was looking at the roster i'm a little bit uh so you don't need to protect you you protect them on I think it's 11 players. You you don't need to protect the uh, Gen Adidas guys, which we know for sure is Herbers and uh, Josh Yarrow. We mm-hmm. don't know for sure about Blake, uh, which Jim talked about. He, he could graduate from the program, which no one really knows yeah. what that means, except for like a few guys. Yeah, it's and, very <laughs> arbitrary. And then you don't need to protect the homegrown guys like uh, Jones and Trusty. So, um, so did you write it down? Yeah, I, I, I wrote down a few players. You know, the big ones are... Um, Adu, Bedoya, Sapong, uh, Rosenberry, uh, Pontius, Elsinio, Alberg, Barnetta, and Marquez. Uh, I think that's nine right there. Yeah. And then you could do Fabinho and Charlie Davies if you don't need to protect Blake. If, if you do, you could either leave Davies or Fabinho exposed. Mm-hmm. You could also possibly leave uh, Barnetta exposed because he's out of contract. But then if he decides he uh, wants to play in MLS... Yeah. It says you still need to protect guys who are out of contract, so that's a tricky one too. But, you know... Of guys they could lose, I don't think they're going to lose a starter or e- even a key reserve. They could lose a guy like uh, Gaddis or like Leo Fernandez. These are guys who have who might have some trade value. They're mm-hmm. pretty good guys, uh, but I, I mean, Jim's worried about it, but I don't see them losing like a big player. What do you think? Um, yeah, who else would be on that list? El Cino. I can't see anybody going after him. Um, I think the expansion draft has changed in recent years where I think, you you know, first of all, you have Minnesota coming in that already has half of a roster together and uh, Atlanta, which has a lot of good contacts. They can probably fill out a roster. No problem. This ain't the Philadelphia Union coming in at 2010 with with Jack shit, right? Where you needed 10 guys to just start a team off, right? Just curse on this podcast. I did, but it's my podcast. So um, I think. (laughs) Well, uh, all right, easy, so, easy. Yeah, anyway, um, before this thing goes off the rails, uh, I think the expansion <laughs> draft in the last couple of years, I mean, you've seen a lot more not just drafting a player and keeping him because we need him. It's a lot of, hey, we'll take this guy that you don't want us to take, and if you want him back, how about you give us $50,000 in allocation <laughs> money? You know, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be like, hey, we'll take um, whatever. Uh, who's like a decent like fringe guy? So, I, I don't know. We'll take a young guy from – We'll take Steven Mendoza from uh, New York City FC, but we'll trade him back to you for $100,000 or something. Yeah. You know, it's it's going to be that kind of stuff. And, again, they only can lose one guy this time around. Yeah, so. it's not going to be as bad as in years past when they lost, like, two guys per season. Yeah, but, I mean, look, the last time we, we all slammed Jim uh, back a couple years ago when he protected Fabinho over Pedro Ribeiro, and that ended up being the right decision. He gets the so. last laugh. We actually talked about Jim with that today. He does. He was we look like a bunch of dopes. So, yeah, um, always right, what's, wrong. What's the next question? Uh, I uh, Michael Rulo actually asked this too. This this is a funny one. He wanted to Does get he our, get two questions. Is I don't. He allowed I, to? I'm going to allow it, but this okay. is funny. And he he included a link. Yeah. Uh, the uh, union on FoxSports.com came in ranked a uh, number 21 in the league in terms of uh, oh. in terms of uh, logos. I think that's clickbait, just like the 34 over 34. <laughs> and uh, they co- compared the logo to really old spicy 
uh, mustard, which yeah, is it's not I'm not gold. gonna is it I'm gold? not gonna stand for that insult. Okay, so listen, <laughs> I've got uh, do I have any West Virginia stuff in the studio here? Oh, okay, so we're like blue and gold, right? You know, but ours is like that that old like yeah. it looks like yellowish, right? That does look like a. Um, I mean, I like spicy mustard. I don't know where they get the old from. I mean, spicy mustard lasts a while old in the fridge. Right? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if that's a different. Um, I'm not. I think I've had the same jar of spicy mustard in my fridge for. At least a year, yeah, and is it, that like a fine. honey honey mustard kind yeah, of shade, yeah. like the kind you get with the pretzels and the sourdough? Or oh, speaking of mustard, we it just can't got be a... any worse in Atlanta. Yeah, United yeah. logo. So. Speaking of mustard, we just got a question from uh, Hulk Union Smash Union Hulk. We have to answer mm-hmm. that, right? Do we? Okay, sure. Uh, what happens if our strikers never score again? Why do people boil hot dogs? Which is on. What if our strikers never <laughs> score again? And why do and also does Jim Jim smell like corn? Does he mean Jim Curtin? Or? Probably, I'd okay. say that's no. Um, why do people <laughs> boil hot? Do they boil hot dogs because they don't? Because it's quick and it's easy. Yeah, you got to grill it. I, yeah, I I'm not. Well, I, but if I don't want to fire up the propane tank, then yeah. And what happens if the strikers don't score? Never again? score they, again. Well, I guess the they're not going the to. The, I guess they're not going to the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> it actually has unless Chris Pontius I mean, keeps doing his. Yeah, yeah Chris Pontius has been carrying the team. We can give him some love before we end this podcast. I mean. He's really become the uh, go-to scorer for this team. I mean, he yeah. he had one. He could have had two or three goals, two assists, probably. I mean, yeah. I tell you what, man. He's um and credit to the Union Sports Science staff for for managing him perfectly this year. No issues at all. You know, they've they've timed his minutes well. He's come back. He's played well. I mean, that Jinx. was another that was another <laughs> one where I was like, you know, four hundred thousand dollars. I don't know. Uh, all of our criticism, all of our concerns, I think were legit. But um, you know, we'll see. So. Maybe next year with Charlie Davis, if they can replicate what they did with Chris Pontius, maybe that's another reclamation project. But um, that's about think, it. Do we, is that all it. the questions? We're, we didn't get any. We're approaching that thirty minutes. Uh, do you see any yeah. on yours? Um, no. Let me see. If you do a fifty over fifty, you would have a place for Carlos Ruiz. Oh, he's only like thirty-seven <laughs> or something. He, he'll. I don't think he's going to be on the list because um, he hasn't played a game yet as of publish publishing. So I'll probably get ripped for that on MLS Reddit. Uh, this guy says interested to hear where you think Ray Gaddis will end up next year. Oh, I mean, I he think he could end up. I, he's a guy who could maybe get for Minnesota up. United. Yeah. Um, any other questions in here? Josh Yarrow, no. Um, just a bunch of. Oh, yeah. my, uh, why can't Gaddis play center back? I don't think he's big enough. Um, what does Ernie Stewart think about the field conditions? Oh, probably not much at all. They're resodding uh, the like the river end side. <laughs> he's of the, not happy. Yeah. Um, when is Dave's list of six union writers over six going to come out? Are there six <laughs> union writers? I don't know. All right. Well, let's wrap it up there. Just let's to recap, um, Philadelphia Union in Toronto. Ken Tribb is probably the big story about that one. Dave's kid is still being potty trained. So that's <laughs> they're working on that one. And look for uh, the second installment of 34 over 34. Yes. Uh, hopefully coming out Thursday. Today is Wednesday. So I think that's it. Unless you have I should have a big feature coming out on Bedoya and Davies, hopefully yeah. next week on their friendship. So check that out. And in the meantime, pray for Ken Tribbett. All right, look out for that. Kevin Kincaid from Philly Voice and Dave Zeil and MLSsoccer.com. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. Take us away, Willie Nelson. <laughs> <laughs>